Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. Okay, so I forgot to include a very funny story in last week's episode about uh, Dr. Jody Green, the chiropractor who ended up in a Mexican prison for 28 days. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, you should listen to that one after this because it's hilarious. Um, but I wanted to, it, so listening about how easy it is to end up in a Mexican prison made me terrified to go to Cancun with my family for like the third time in January. Um, But it also reminded me of, I think it was two years ago or yeah, no, it was two years ago when we were going to the Riviera Maya, which is, you have to fly into Cancun airport, which is the same airport that Jody Green flew into and got taken to prison. Um, So I had told my girls, because they're old enough now, like, pack your bags uh, for the plane. Not the whole, I pack their, calm down, I pack their, like, bags for the trip, but just pack your carry-on that is going to entertain you for the couple-hour flight. So my youngest, at this point, she was six or so. Um, She comes down, and it's, like, the day that we're going to be leaving, and this backpack, I, like, lift it, and it is heavy as heck. Now, normally I would not have even checked it, but it was so heavy and I knew what was going to happen is as soon as we got out of the car at the airport, she was going to ask my husband to carry it for her. And we're trying to like build character and be like, no, you packed your bag, carry it. So I'm like, what does she even have in here? So I open up this bag and she's got like four or five books, which were like, okay, you have a Kindle, but all right. And they're just books that, you know, whatever, she's going to take five minutes to go through. Um, an Alexa with a charging cord plug <laughs> attached to it um, and some stuffed animals. And at the bottom is a like six inch fake, like plastic, but very realistic looking ninja knife. Like, I don't know what they're called, but like a six inch blade um, that she was just going to go through TSA with. and. <laughs> My husband and I were cracking up like, oh my gosh, could you imagine? And okay, we wouldn't have gotten to prison because like American TSA probably would have been like, hi, um, yeah, no, you can't, you can't do this. And I, we would have been mortified, but yeah, no. So I was going to tell that story last week in the intro, but I forgot. So there you go. Now you get my 
I almost went to a Mexican prison too story. Um, literally, you guys have heard that literally is now also figuratively. And I think I might just be old enough now that that pisses me off. So you will not hear me saying literally, figuratively. That's, you will get literally as literally. Um, okay. So this episode, Dr. J. LaGuardia, I've known him for a very long time, um, for most of my chiropractic career. Um, and I bumped this episode to kind of the front. It wasn't supposed to be released until January, but I wanted to bump it because I think that this is a prime conversation uh, to prep you for like, if you are ready potentially to join the multi-passionate chiropreneur. So towards the end, um, the whole conversation is great, but towards the end, Dr. J and I begin talking about wealth building and the issues that hold chiropractors back. And the level of conversation isn't for every chiropractor at all points in time. Um, but if you are listening to this epi episode and you are like nodding your head and you want more, I highly make want you, ah, I highly recommend that you make sure you are on the wait list for the multi-passionate chiropractor. The course goes once a year, starts January 22nd, but it starts on sale December 7th. So if you're somewhere between now and January 22nd, uh, we may be onboarding. There are 32 spots. They will sell out. Uh, also, a little bonus on that. In the episode, Jay mentions that only 17% of clinics actually sell, which is disturbing. It's very disturbing because a lot of chiropractors, that's their retirement plan. And so he talked about how he did it a different way. And he coaches chiropractors through um, a process to do instead, instead of selling their practice. But this way, that practice that you've built continues to be a source of passive income, which can fuel your retirement. Um, so he has agreed, so because we didn't have time to talk about it, um, and maybe I'll have him back in a year or two to talk about it, but we also might talk about trusts. I don't know. There was a lot, there was a lot of like end recording conversations that happened with him. And if you want to know, he has agreed to come to the live event for the Multi-Passionate Chiropreneur in April and talk through um, that process. So there you go. Go sign up. Um, so let's get to it because this is an awesome conversation. Um, so Jay has been an entrepreneurial enthusiast for 45 years that began when he was 12 years old. And he's opened up practice of 18 different companies in a variety of fields, including chiropractic, coaching companies, real estate development, fitness studios. He's a podcast host and Amazon bestselling author. He's passionate about teaching other entrepreneurs that you can have it all a great family life, peak health and fitness, and a thriving and profitable business. It's not a dream and it is attainable to anyone who is capable of dreaming big. Um, so I am excited for you to listen to this. This is a very value-packed episode. Um, so let's pray and get down to it. Dear God, thank you so much for the many opportunities that we have in this life to create value for ourselves and value for those around us. Um, just fuel all of our actions day to day to continue to be better versions of ourself um, so that we can just be the ripple effect into everyone's life around us. In your name we pray. 
Amen. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Jay LaGuardia. Enjoy. Have you ever not recorded an interview by accident? You know what? I did start. I was probably 10 minutes in and I looked in, so I didn't do the whole thing. No. Okay. Was it a solo or with a guest? No, it was with a guest. Oh, okay. 10 minutes in isn't terrible. It's not terrible, yeah. but oh my God. So, um, so, so now it's auto set. You can auto set it. What? Oh yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah you you're can. right. I don't know why. Yeah, I just feel like, it. I feel like, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I guess I just don't know what I'm doing over here. You know, I like the like non-recorded part where it's like, yeah, nobody knows what we're talking about now. <laughs> I had this, um, I did this interview. This is the podcast, by the way, we've started, we've officially started. So welcome Jay. Um, I, I didn't, thank you. <laughs> I did this interview with a Cairo once and she was like, yep, yeah, the episodes are like 20 to 25 minutes. And automatically I'm like, Whoa, how do you do that? Like kind of jealous, like, wow, that would be, nice to like only have that but like also how do you get into stuff so I get on we spend like 15 minutes talking and it's like you know just fun talk and she's like all right I'm gonna start recording and I'm like all right so we do 20 minutes I'm just getting warmed up like I'm like a comedian where I'm like I need like time to start getting warmed up and then she like wraps it up and then we continue to have 15 to 20 more minutes of like good conversation and I'm just thinking like you should include all of this but do you struggle when you're on other people's podcasts, like being controlling of like, this is how I would do it? No, it, which is remarkable, right? Because of personality type, I like to be in control. Um, I, you know, coming on your podcast, I was excited because we have a history together and we vibe well. So that was not going to be an issue, but people I've never met before and there's no prep. Like, I don't know where you're going because I can talk in so many different subjects subjects, and I want to make sure I'm prepared because mm -hmm. I want to give the, the host and their audience the best I can provide for them. So for me, I'm a preparer. I like to be prepared. And so that's the only side of it, but I'll tell you a little behind the scenes for people in the podcasting industry. So I have an engineer who does all my editing and everything and, you know, heads, um, you know, um, you know, slides in our, our reads and stuff like that. And last week, um, the unedited version was posted and I got all kinds of emails and texts like around nine o'clock because it goes out 4 a.m. Monday morning. It's like, dude, you might want to check your podcast. Like <laughs> it's unedited. I'm like, oh no. So yeah, so that was, you know, so talk about behind the scenes. What's different in your edited one versus unedited? Uh, reads, drops, um, you know, intro, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like then, and then, you know, sometimes, especially if I'm, I'm doing a narration, you know, or like, uh, I flub or I don't like that. I'll go, Jeremy, let's, let's cut that out. Let's start here. You know? Oh, wow. Like you like make it real nice. I, I'll like completely flub and swear. And I'm just like, ah. I don't know. It's in there. It's in there. Um, when you, okay. So triple P podcast, triple yep. P life. No, now I'm all life. loving triple yeah. P life P podcast. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Power, passion, prosperity. Did you have a goal in mind when you were starting that? Cause you started it in 2019. Yeah, actually 2018, September 17th, 2018. Okay. I remember cause it was our, it was our 30th anniversary. Okay. Wedding yeah. or clinic? No wedding. Okay. 
Yeah. So, so why'd you start it? It's a great question. I did because, you know, I was, um, I had been retired out of practice at that point for, uh, four years. And, uh, you know, I was just selling off the remaining practices that I had, um, our construction company or property development company was really taking off. The coaching was doing good, but it just kind of felt like this void. Like I had a, I have a bigger message to tell to a greater audience and what, what's, what's the best way to do it. And of course, podcasting was really starting to take off at that point. And so I was meditating one day and I said to myself in this meditation before I started, I said, if there were three words that I could define that, that would define my life and, you know, it would be relatable what would they be in power, passion, and prosperity? What came to my mindset? And so, okay, that's it. So I divine inspiration. And from at that moment, I decided that I was going to get into podcasting and uh, start a coach. In fact, um, it was Johnny Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire, who has one of the top business podcasts, top business podcasts in the uh, in the world. So uh, I started coaching with him and it's like, wow, this is a lot more than I thought it was going to be. I just thought you get on a mic, start rifting. And he said, you can do that, Jay. He goes, but it's going to suck and no one's going to want to listen. Hey, I beg <laughs> to differ. <laughs> so so uh, I worked with him for a while and um, you know, I got things launched and he said, it's going to be a slog. He, he said, podcasting is about the long game. So if you're in this in three months, you're thinking you're going to make a ton of money and you're going to have this huge following. He says, it's just not the case for most people. If you're Joe Rogan, it's a different story. Like if you have a name and, and a huge following, that's a different story. He said, outside family and friends, build that beyond that, take some time. And he said, you got to be in, he said, I give yourself at least two years. And so that's what I did. Okay. And did it take that long to get, I mean, and I'm assuming you're still growing and. Oh yeah. Yeah. So more than ever. And every year we continue to expand and grow because our network's expanding. Right. Um, so it's very generic in that sense. Um, I would say at a year and a half, I'm like, man, this is not going as, as well as I thought. I'm not a quitter. And I really believed in the message and believe in the brand. And so I stayed with it. And, you know, probably by the end of year two, we really started to see some traction and year three and four really took off. Did you, I mean, so I think what a lot of people don't understand is that like the average podcast within a week has like 30 downloads and then yes. within like 30 days, it's like 126. I said, fuck yes. it from the from beginning. I was like, if that's, there's no way I would have lasted three months if those were our numbers. So you said you kind of did right. a launch. Did you like do pre-work to like get excitement for it? Yeah, I did. Um, I also pre-recorded my first three episodes. So it would be boom, boom, boom. So there was content, content, content mm -hmm. to pull people in. And because if they listen to one and you only release one and they really like it and there's nothing else to go back and, and listen to, you can lose them there. So I thought that was a real benefit for, so for any aspiring podcast, I would recommend um, doing three pre-launch and then we just marketed and promoted it within our network and um and i you know encouraged them to promote it and uh, that's really how we launched with it and so we were at you know we were at 100 downloads a week i would say by the end of the second month okay it was actually i don't think that long i mean it's week six okay yeah so i mean you know 
that's and then it just keeps growing from there um we yeah. had done i spent uh i started the instagram first and like kind of about six weeks earlier um and was just doing some kind of you know promotional stuff on there trying to get people excited and um we had a so i did a launch team so i asked for you know somewhere between 30 to 50 people who would in exchange for like this little like i sent them like this little notebook i mean tiny you know like notebook with some stickers and like a handwritten note from me saying like thanks for being on my launch team and um then in exchange they i sent them some like things to promote on instagram they got access to the first video and so they shared and which is interesting because like a lot of these people had no idea who I was. So I don't know why, why they, I guess they just wanted the stickers. Like people are like, sure, I'll do anything for stickers. Um, and so, yeah, like the first episode was crazy. It was like a thousand downloads. Wow. That's fantastic. I know. I know. I was like, oh shit. You okay. But then you're like, all right, well, is that gonna keep going? And it did. So I'm like, all right, all right, fine. I'll keep going. But I remember like six weeks in being like, oh no, this is forever. Like there's no, all right. I did that for 200 episodes. Now I'm done. It's like, yeah, no, that's just keeps going until you quit. And you're and my personalities are not quitters. So we're like, damn it. I'm going to do this forever. Well, no. And, and so the other aspect of now is we're in, okay, what's the next iteration? Mm -hmm. Um, so we we live kind of in rural, just south of Eau Claire. We're not that far, but the broadband here is terrible. So we want to do, you know, video and YouTube and a whole nine yards, but I don't have the, the internet capacity to do that, to compress mm -hmm. a video and make it look good. However, we just had fiber optic cables brought in, and I think we're going to be hooking up very soon. So that's going to be a real possibility. But you know, if you look at some of the some of the real transcendent brands now in the marketplace, they're all doing their own media companies. And I, I kind of have a vision of that, like a variety of different podcasts under one umbrella. Maybe I shouldn't be sharing this. Oh, yeah, you should. It's just <laughs> you and I, it's fine. But that yeah, but that's that's kind of my vision going forward and what I'd like to do. So tell like what does that look like? I, from a business perspective, um, yeah, what does that look like? Well, you know, so right now I, I'm with my show, my content's all over the place, right? So it's it's on health, it's on fitness, it's on mindset, personal growth, uh, finance. So what I'd like to do is proportion it out and have a specific show for each. So when a listener comes, it's like, okay, what's he talking about this week? It's like, okay, Jay talks about this, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, Larry talks about that and Karen talks about that. So that's the idea behind it. And then um, from, from a platform base, from a, from a business model standpoint, um, as you expand, obviously, right, your reach expands. And then, you know, the, the kind of the corporate attachment begins to show up as well, too. We have resisted, we, you know, we're probably pursued like you are as well, too, to promote different brands and products and stuff. I've been very, very... Um, precise about who I want to align the brand with because, you know, we could have brought in a bunch of different sponsors that I don't really think align with our brand. 
And then that means I wouldn't be true to my audience and I'd just be selling out. That's a big thing that I don't think brands understand. Like I have a lot of brands specifically within chiropractic. So like I have this vision that outside of chiropractic, they get it a little more, but I feel like brands within chiropractic, like they don't understand that like, no, 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 no. I, I built a community and like the community trusts me. So if I just like whore myself out there, that damages the community long-term. So like you really sure. do have to and protect it, that relationship. And your credibility. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Um, and I, I actually think uh, it's it hurt me because I didn't stay in the chiropractic lane. I went broad. Well, right? I was going to so, ask you well, that, like, because I'm in the reverse where I'm like, feel like I'm definitely not capped out, but like anytime you talk to a coach, they're like, okay, we might need to widen your audience a little bit. And cause they're like, okay, so your audience is chiropractors. And I'm like, mm, more like subluxation based chiropractors. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, let me explain chiropractic. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm like, so I like insult half of the profession. And then for a while we started, like you weren't allowed to be on the podcast because you were a boy for a long time. We didn't let boys on until episode 200. So no like, kidding, I didn't know that. Well, it was one of those like things where it was like, I didn't know what, I didn't know why I wanted, felt called to start a podcast. I was just like, I wanted to help people solve problems, specifically chiropractic sure. problems. I like, like, I just like the solution oriented mindset. Like, and so we started that. And I don't know why it was just like, it was a female for females. And I think a lot of women actually do that. There's a lot of female coaching for females and I don't, we don't need to unpack that, but that's where I started kind of in that, like, it seemed like the thing to do. And then it felt like there was all this pressure, you know, around episode hundred plus, it was like, this felt, it felt like an artificial rule that I didn't really, I, I had established for myself, but didn't really agree with anymore. But then it's like, well, who's the first guy that's going to be on? Like, I don't know. So I, yeah. So it finally we're like, all right, this is dumb. And so it finally happened. So now you're allowed on, but I don't know where I was going with that. Oh yeah. So I was like, well, well, I, first it was female subluxation based and then I let boys in. Yeah. Well, it's, and like I said, I think it really hurt us because I didn't stay in a lane. You know, I, not that, you know, I'm the most known, but very well known within the profession. Yeah. And I could have, I could have leveraged those relationships, um, you know, maybe in a similar fashion that you did, but I didn't want to be known as the chiropractic podcast. There were some out there that were already doing it. And please, I want your listeners to understand, because I know you got a lot of docs on here. Chiropractic has provided everything in my life. It's helped me grow up as a person, as a businessman, as a dad, you know, as a health expert, so on and so forth. I owe everything to chiropractic. I love this profession immensely. But I think sometimes as a profession, we're very myopic and short-term thinking. And as a result of that, we get stuck in our own cocoon and also in our own echo chamber. And so we, we're talking to the same audience over and over and over. And I did not want that. I already did that for 25 years. And so part of the the vision that I had is how do I get to more people beyond this particular network? And maybe that's a little grandiose, but, you know, I just felt that, you know, the, the things that I have learned in my life that have served me as far as mental, physical, and spiritual, and financial, you know, are, have been so 
um, incredible. And I've helped coach so many people to these things and I see the results. Um, why not share it to a broader, broader audience? Yeah, absolutely. But it is tough, you know, like most of the episodes, you know, that we're talking about with chiropractors, these are small business issues. These sure. are entrepreneurial issues. The, you know, these are family issues. Like I had guys going like, this isn't even a female issue. Like the struggle of work-life balance is like, that's here for me too. But, um, okay. So when you say chiropractors are myopic, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Because I know what I would mean by that, but what do you mean? Yeah. So, I, you know, again, for the sense of not pissing anybody oh, off. Oh, they're here. so used to their. Oh, well, that's good. They're that's fine. Good. They can handle it. So, you and I were just at a seminar uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And when I go back to a chiropractic seminar, and by the way, I, this is the, I'm not renewing my license. I was there because I wanted to be there, not because I had to be there. Wait, are you literally <laughs> not like renewing your license? No, not after this biennium. No. What? Yeah. I mean, why? I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been retired 10 years, right? I have all these other businesses. I, my joke is I said to my wife, I said, if things go to shit to where I have to go back to practice, life went really Real. way off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and okay. I don't, and I don't need a license to coach, you know? So, um, so anyway, so, so the myopic part. Yeah. And of course, please, your audience, please understand this is a this is not a broad statement in the sense that everyone's like this. But in general, as a profession, number one, we have low self-esteem as a profession. Yeah. Right. We we always come from this, you know, trying to reach the mountaintop. And, you know, people are always trying to push us back and hold us back. And my belief is we do that ourselves. Right, especially now, it's not nearly the case as it was, let's say, thirty years ago when I first got into practice. So, so we we see we see very limited potential and opportunity because as a as a profession, we have this low self esteem. So we don't see the the potential within our business and what we do and the impact on the lives that it has. So we play way too small, way too small. And, you know, when I have carers who reach out to me, interested in working with me, I interview them. Like if, <laughs> if, if they're unwilling to challenge themselves to grow, I don't want to work with them. Like if they're just trying to solve a new patient issue, that's, that is a myopic view. Yes. Yep. I see what right? you're saying. Mm -hmm. If they're just trying to figure out how to hire the next CA, that's a myopic view. So I want, you know, to help people to understand as you mentioned, all business issues translate. Here's another thing I always hear is, you know, well, chiropractic's different than any other business. And I'm like, have you run any other businesses? Do you own any other businesses? No. Well, then let me tell you that's bullshit because I I've opened or started 18 different businesses and four of them have been multi, multi-million dollar businesses. So they translate across the board. So don't think your issues are unique and different to any other professional or any other entrepreneur because they're not. I so do that's think part that of, there's that's a part slight of the difference that like a lot of healthcare. So like you, a lot people go and get their MBA, which is basically like, we're training you to think about business, but yet you've got dentists and vets who are probably the closest to chiropractors in the like, well, yeah, no, you're going to go run a business, but Broadwise, they're kind of accepted. They don't have to sell what they do type of thing. So I do think that like 
chiropractic is unique in the standpoint that so many of them fall in love with chiropractic, not running a business. They weren't like, I want to be an entrepreneur when I grow up. I'm going to go get my MBA. They went, I want to be a chiropractor. And then they realized like, oh, in order to be an air quotes here, real chiropractor, I have to run a business too. So like, I do think it's slightly different in that end point of that they're like, fuck, I didn't really sign up for running a business. I just wanted to like adjust an atlas. So here's the thing about that. And I think you're 100% correct. And this is another aspect of the myopic aspect of the profession is we don't realize as a profession, we're salespeople. Mm -hmm. I know when I say that from the stage, I see people's face cringe. They like cringe. It's what do you mean sales? That's gross. That's we're not, I'm I'm a doctor. This is this is healthcare. I'm sorry, you are in the sales business. Mm -hmm. You just happen to sell chiropractic and a model of health that's unique and different that they're that they're familiar with. And if you don't learn how to sell, I don't give a crap how well you can move an atlas, you are going to struggle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's another part of the myopic aspect of it. Because Learning how to sell is not hard. There are simple techniques. And like anything with some skill sets and some training, you can become an exceptional salesperson. Again, my own personal experience, when we were in practice, the first blah, 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 whatever years it was after we purchased it from Pam's dad, we had it for like 15 years and we were an insurance-based practice. And I saw where the trends were going. And reluctantly, I said, you know what? Let's get ahead of this. But I knew from a business standpoint, it was a smart way to go. So we were 82% insurance seeing 4,000 people a month, 82% insurance. Within uh, less than 24 months, we wound up being 78% cash and 22% insurance. You want to take a 30, almost mm -hmm. a 40 year practice. And it's like turning around a barge mm -hmm. because it was a mindset shift first for us and then for the, for the, for the patients. Yeah. And they all stayed. I mean, most of them, our right. volume didn't change really at right. all. No, because your mindset wouldn't have allowed it to go down. But. Exactly. Exactly. So I hear, I can't do that. You're right. You can't, if that's yeah. what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. Chiropractors, um, that myopic thinking is um, is definitely holding us back. And I mean, there's just, but I, so here's the deal is where, do, where do you think this anti-sales come from? Because BJ sold the shit out of chiropractic. Yeah. Like, dude, like radios, like, there's there anything more salesy than like a radio, you know, like, so when did we get too good for this? Like, where's this pressure that like, there, is it a chip on a shoulder or is it self guilt within a chiropractic? Okay. So is it a chip on our shoulder to prove? Or do you think it's more this weird thing where I wouldn't admit to other chiropractors that I sell because I'm in this for impact and you're going to think I'm in it for money. Cause like, of course you're in it for impact. Like you have to be a really terrible person for me to automatically assume you're in this for money. And okay. You know what? No, I would never assume a chiropractor went into this business for money. So like, I know it's you way would too hard. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So like, where did this anti-selling thing, I, in order to be a real chiropractor, I can't be focused on the money come from. Okay. So two things there. First, you said impact, mm -hmm. right? You can't make impact if you can't deliver, if you don't have enough people to serve. And you can't serve if you can't sell. That's one. Mm -hmm. 
Number two, my humble opinion, this sales mentality really began to shift when chiropractic was accepted into insurance plans. Okay. Because prior to that, all those older chiropractors, that's all they did was sell. Mm -hmm. They would do lay lecture. My father-in-law did a lay lecture every single night. This, this is not hyperbole. Five nights a week, and they had to bring their spouse and their children. This is how he built one of the largest practices mm -hmm. in the world. But it, for him, it was joy. It was teaching his passion of chiropractic and this simple above, down, inside, out philosophy. He always said to me, he said, Jay, the key to being successful in business is telling people where the power comes from, where it turns it on. How do you turn it? What turns it off? How do you turn it on? And what's the benefit of keeping it turned on for the rest of your life? He said, if you do that, you never have to market a day in your life. You just got to get enough in front of enough people. And so he did lay lectures. And then guess what happened? Insurance came. And no longer did you need to do that because now you were on a plan. Mm -hmm. And people started to come to you, not because you were you, but because you were in some sort of reference yeah. book. That makes sense. So now, so now it became easy. So we got on the tit of insurance and we're getting paid 100%. And then, you know, subsequently over time, as they always do, they start taking it away. And now you're getting paid 70%, 60%, 20%, whatever. And now docs who are in that mode can barely pay their bills. And so they never had the need to get trained to sell. And now has the model has completely changed. We're not prepared to sell a, because the schools don't prepare them to do it. They don't help them understand that this is a normal part of the business and B they're either reluctant to go out and, and seek the knowledge of how to sell properly. Or like you said, um, you know, they're taking the little bit of breadcrumbs that they get from the insurance just to survive. And you, you know, as well as I, most chiros are basically in survival mode. So you bring up, you know, this, that he did this every night, this lay lecture. And my gut reaction to that without offending your father-in-law is like, oh, that's old school. It is and, old school. And not that it's wrong. But what's hard, I feel like now is we've got um, millennials and whoever comes after us and then whoever comes after us, Gen Z, and then I'll, I don't, whatever. Um, that, you know, like I told you, I, I have, this is work-life balance thing is not just a female thing anymore. Like men are like, hey, hi, um, I have kids. I don't want to get home every night when they're already put to bed. And so- there's one part, there's a lot of Kairos that are very comfortable. Like again, Robert, Roberto Monaco was on and he's big about the health talks. And it is inspiring to hear. It's definitely inspiring. Um, but as someone who did health talks, it was just like, I hated doing them. And, you know, it's just like, well, I want to be with my family. And so it's like this straddle of like, where's lazy and where's just not wanting to be uncomfortable and where's like, work-life balance? Like, how do it's you- It's an amazing question. It's yeah. an amazing question because I, you really nailed something right there. So in the generation in which, so my follow out, you know, his best buddies were Sigafus and, mm -hmm. and, and Clarence Gonstead. So is that generation, right? And all they did was practice. They had nothing else in their life. So he would golf on Sundays and, you know, spend a little bit of time with the family. But my wife says she never saw her dad because he never got home before eight o'clock or eight thirty at night. 
but that was the generation. Now, I'm telling you that that was then, and now it's very different. So I was in that transition period. I was the same way. I didn't want to miss my kids growing up. I wanted to be able to have dinner at night. So there's trade-offs. And the trade-off was, instead of being in the office till 8 o'clock, I was in the office till 7 o'clock, and we ate dinner late. <laughs> my kids always you know, always say, we never had dinner before 7.30 at night, ever, right? And so, but I got to the point where I was practicing two and a half days a week, and I was crushing it in those two and a half days a week. So I had two and a half days a week to, to run my business and have time to spend with my kids and do the, so you can do both now, but what's the, what's the one element necessary to be able to do that? You need to be able to sell effectively to be able to create the volume and the revenue that affords you the opportunity to do that. Right. And have banging in systems and procedures to uh, see- Well, 100% and teams yeah. and sure, right, for sure. Yeah, so then where's, how if, okay, so let's say you're coaching someone and their age doesn't really matter, but um, for this podcast, they're a chiropractor. And you're trying to differentiate whether they're holding on to like this, I don't want to do talks because I want to be with my family. How are you figuring out, no, you're just uncomfortable and you're hiding behind you want work-life balance? So the first thing I would do there is we would sit down and map out their core values. Because once the core of your core values are clear and, and prioritized and, and delineated, it's easy to see where you need to spend a majority of your time. Most of us spend a majority of our time on low value activities that really don't move the needle and don't fulfill us. And we wonder why we're stuck in the same spot over and over and over. So if we laid out and did the core values, and let's say their top five core values was God, family, health, business, and mm -hmm. finance, I know where it... So then, okay, if you're one of your top core values is business and success and finance, right? Income, revenue, stuff like that. But yet you're not taking the steps to do it. You're incongruent with your values, which is internally going to create strife and stress, which is going to break you down over time. Mm -hmm. So then I know it's a lack of comfort comfortability or know-how. So then from that standpoint, then we begin to break down. What are you willing to do to achieve this? right? And then from there, and this is the other thing about goal setting that most people don't know. The, the reason most people fail at goal setting is their goals don't align with their highest priority and their highest core values. They're low value. So therefore, they, if you don't do, it's not that big of a deal because it doesn't really motivate you. Mm -hmm. But if it's the highest values, your goals are going to be very important to you. So then I help them establish those goals in those areas. And then from there, we create strategies. And then I find where the bottlenecks internally are. What are the limiting beliefs right now that are holding it back from taking those steps? So it's definitely a bit of a process. But what I find with most business coaches, they look strictly at the business and not between the six inches between the, the entrepreneur's ears. I always start there first because my motto is growing people grow businesses. And if your business is stagnant, it's a direct reflection of you, not good, bad, or indifferent. It's just what it is. Mm -hmm. So I've got to figure out what the internal bottlenecks are to help work through, process, give the tools. So then when we establish these goals, we're on the same path and we can move forward really in an expeditious way. Okay, real talk here. So you listed five core values that 
if I didn't, I, if I didn't roll my eyes or if I did, I didn't mean to offend you because it was not you, but who isn't going to pick those five, right? And in that order. So like God, you said God, family, mm-hmm. health, mm-hmm. business, and finances. Those are wonderful. Every single sure. person listening is going to go, oh, well, if that's in a list, I mean, I've got to pick those. And especially in those order, you know, cross, sign of the cross. <laughs> so here's, all right, this is the real talk where you do therapy for Lauren. Let's say, because I would put those in those order because that is what I'm supposed to do. And who in their right mind wouldn't, right? Like, you don't put God going to get like struck down by lightning. And it's also easy to put your family. You, you Of course, family probably is my number one. But does my time reflect it? No, because I, like, I don't, my time is like, you would look and go, Lauren, yours is actually business. Well, it's because I have health. And until I don't have health, I'm going to keep business my number one. And I have a very great family, a great marriage and kids. So then like, yeah, they're probably up there, but like how I spend my time completely takes for granted those things. Does this make sense at all? It does. So here's where I would I would challenge you in the sense that time is not the issue, time. right? So we think, and this is where the illusion of balance is. Like I worked, I partnered with the ULA guys for a few years. We started a, a corporate training co- program. So they wrote ULA, um, Balance and Unbalanced World. It was a bestseller. And, it, and there was this whole concept of balance in life. And even they would admit it, balance is an illusion. Because when you spend time on your highest priorities, time stands still. Time is timeless. So you can literally spend time doing something within any of those core values, which may feel like 10 minutes, but you just spent two and a half hours on. But your intensity and focus and present time consciousness in that allows you to steal time in other areas because you're so present in those areas when you're there, as opposed to with family, you're on your phone, your cell phone, and you're checking your Instagram page rather than talking Mm -hmm. to your kids at dinner time that we see all the time. You go out to eat and you see families, all four of them are on their cell phones. Like how ridiculous is that? Right. And it's the same thing when it comes to business or finance. So I gave you kind of the fluff part of the core value stuff. What I actually then have them do is assess and evaluate how congruent they're living within that core value. So we score that because how they score it tells me where they're spending their time on, number one and number two. Number three is then we we chunk that down significantly. Okay, so what does finance mean? Right. Right. So yes, finance may be the category but it could be financial independence. It could be opening multiple businesses. It could be leaving a legacy, creating a trust, whatever it might be, right? Um, So you really have to work within those parameters to really scale it down so you can get to the real precise issues within each of those categories. So let's say say, uh, when I work with somebody and you know, they say health or fitness because they think they have to say it. And I say, okay, well, they we, they assess it and they come in and they say, you know, I'm, I'm a four out of 10. Okay. So where is it lacking? Well, I haven't worked out in a year, right? I eat fast food every Wednesdays with my team or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So there's there's really ways of breaking that down to the point to get to the core issues that once you do and it starts to reflect those highest values, 
it's really transcended in productivity, happiness, low stress, and success. Okay. That, that makes a little more sense. I still think I need to come. You have a GPS summit, right? Is that what it's called? I, Once a year? All right. All yeah. Right. I'm yeah. assuming you go through the core values thing there. For sure. We did that last week and everyone said, you know, um, who was there for the first time and a lot of people repeat over the time, but they were like, man, I've never done this before. And I, here's what they realized. I spent so much time because after that, we do an assessment of what, where they spend a majority of their time because it all flows together. So when they see where they're spending a majority of their time and they realize that it doesn't even come close to these high, they, mm -hmm. then they go, man, now I know why I'm exactly in the same place right now than I was a year ago. And I'm feeling frustrated and wondering why I'm on this hamster wheel and my life is never changing. It's just awareness, introspection, or it should be introspection, awareness, and then strategic change. Oh yeah, because changing people's behavior is the easy part. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Now you know, so now you'll do something different, right? But if you're not aware, you can't change. This so awareness is, is the first step. Yeah. Um, I was thinking while I was working out, um, because the person leading the class, it was on Peloton, was talking about her like life coach, and I was thinking about like, so I go to therapy, and I was wondering like, are therapists like? I think therapy is becoming much more mainstream, but I think that like life coaching and therapy, like, does anybody have both? Well, except people have lots of time, but like, it is so important to have one of those in your life. That's like constantly poking those holes of going, like, are you spending, like, are you spending your time? Are you doing what you say is important to you? And is that, that incongruent living in out of alignment, or yes. not incongruency is what's just contributing to so many people's anxiety and issues. So, all right, I yeah, want to, you know, yeah, go ahead. Real quickly, because I think this is an important point to that. You know, we know life is, life is energy, right? All life is energy. And we are either attracting or repelling into our life the things that we want, don't want, based on the energies that we emit. And the fact is, is that we have to get aligned energies with our highest desires to get the life that we want. And to me, that has been the biggest revelation over the last 20 years that is, you know, I feel so blessed to understand these concepts, but also understand the tools. How do you do that moment by moment and self-check and come and, and go back as far as being aware of what am I omitting? What, what do I want to experience at this time? How do I choose to show up? Because every moment we're choosing what emotions we we we, we want to be present in, whether we know it or not. The thing is, why not do it consciously so then you can create the reality you want? And it just it seems so much, you know, you're like, yeah, you're right. I could choose to be different than your brain's sure. like, no, I will overpower you. All right. I want to talk about the triple P. Sure. It, but I want to talk about the third P in the triple P. So yeah. prosperity. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? It's about thriving in all areas of your life, your health, your relationships, professionally, business, and financially. It's this concept. So you, we were talking about balance before, right? Mm -hmm. I say balance is an illusion. People think having it all is an illusion. And I'm here to tell you it's not. You can have incredible relationships with your family, loving, deep, meaning, relate. Do we fight? Of course we do. I love it. We're Italian. That's what makes the family side of it fun, right? But we love each other immensely. You know, I have I'm blessed to have great health. You know, I've got incredible businesses and I'm financially independent. You know, I don't have any special gifts or talents, 
But I love this concept of prosperity because it's real and it could happen for everyone. There's just a formula how to make it happen. Okay, well, <laughs> all right, next question. No, no. So that, there's a formula. Yeah, so that's, called a, that's, that's called a tease. Yeah. Oh <laughs> in, the in the podcast world. <laughs> um, so do share. <laughs> okay, so reference point here. Um, I didn't make this up. I only added a single element to this that I thought that was appropriate. I had Sharon Lecter on. Sharon was um, Richard Kiyosaki's CEO and co-author of Rich Dad Poor Dad. So pretty cool, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and after about 10 or 11 years, her uh, she left Richard and um, she actually was appointed to the President's Council on, on um, uh, Finance, like teaching kids in school about finance. And then she worked with Napoleon Hill Foundation. And when she started as CEO with Napoleon Hill Foundation, and when she um, got there, they found this um, manuscript that Napoleon Hill wrote in the 30s, and it was called Outwitting the Devil. And she read it, and she says, oh, my God, this is as good as Think and Grow Rich, but no one knows about it because it hasn't been published yet. So she, they published it, and she annotated it. In the book, he talks about this formula of success. Again... I added one and I humbly, I emailed Sharon. I said, Sharon, I said, I love this. I said, I think there's an element missing. She goes, what? And I'll tell you here in a second. She goes, you're absolutely right. I said, so can I use this? Obviously I'll give you guys credit. She goes, yes, of course. So here it is. It's P plus T times A times A plus F plus T. Okay, so P is passion, right? Power, passion, prosperity. Another reason why I love it. Have you ever met anyone in your life who is successful, who is not passionate? Not. You're no, thinking hard. No, no, <laughs> no. Because even what I would say is those that I wouldn't uh, consider passionate about something I'm passionate about, they're successful. They're passionate about what they view their success as. That's what I meant is like, I might not view someone as successful or passionate, but they are super passionate about where they're successful in life. So my answer was no, <laughs> I have not. Okay. So, so, and that's where we need to be careful. And I've learned this as well too. My definitions of success is not your definition right. of success. You know what I mean? But success as you, the individual, the listener would define it. Mm -hmm. So the, the, um, the second in that formula is T and that's talent. You know, you've got to have skill sets. Mm-hmm. If it and and by the way, right, training to become a chiropractor is developing your skill sets, but that's only the beginning of the training. It has to be ongoing because things are always evolving. And the more skill sets we put in our toolbox, the greater value we can create for our clients and our mm -hmm. patients. And guess what happens? The number one asset you want to have is incredible value. Why? Because universally, the higher value you create, the more compensation you make. It's just the way it goes. It's mm -hmm. called the law of cause and effect. It's in Catherine Ponder's 16 Laws of Dynam um, Dynamic Prosperity, one of my favorite books of all time. So the first A is associations. You are the sum of the people you hang out with, whether you like it or not. And if you're the smartest person in the room, you have to find a new room mm -hmm. because you're never going to grow if you're always the smartest person in the room. 
So one of my humble strengths is I always, you know, I'm really good at building relationships and I always attract really smart people in my life. So much of my business success is because I've partnered with really smart people who are smarter than me in certain aspects and I've learned from them and they've helped me become successful. So build your network of really smart people. And I would also argue the smarter they are, the more success they've had, the more willing they are to mentor. Why? Because mm -hmm. they're successful of other because of other people. Right. Right. So the next A is actions, right? You know, you got to do stuff. You just can't sit there and, and just hope and wish it happens. So you've got to start to take some actions in the alignment of your highest desires. And then F is faith. Now, it could be theological or religious faith. I have nothing against that. But to me, what that element means is faith in self. Because the first thing we do when we desire something new and different, we are going to be bombarded by this thing called ego, mm -hmm. which is the false self. It's the persona. Ego wants to keep us locked up safe underneath the bed eating a Snickers bar. Doesn't want us to step out of our comfort zone because ego is going to going to give us this bullshit story that, hey, you know what? You tried something like that before. You didn't do so well. You might want to step out of that. What will people think if you try it and you're successful? Or what if you fail, right? All these conversations that any human being is going to have as their ambitions elevate. So if you don't believe in you and your capabilities, you've got no shot, right? And that's why your association is important to get people around you who believe in you, who right. build you up, right? And then the last one, the one that I added that that uh, Sharon was good with was time. Here's the thing I learned this year, because I love to study and learn. And I do, I do a program called um, um, Money Mindset Mastermind. So I really like to continue to expand my mindset on this. So I used to believe that the importance of goal setting was paramount to success. And it still is. And in the goal setting process, right, you've you've got your, your smart goals and the T is time. When do you want your goal by? So we put this artificial timeline of when we want to achieve the goal. But here's what I've learned. I took a car course with uh, Bob. He was in The Secret and it was on Money Mindset. Anyway, um, he was on my podcast. And um, he said, Jay, when you do that, what you're doing is you're restricting universe's capacity by creating resistance to bring to you what you want sooner or to be aware of the opportunities that present itself sooner to help you achieve that goal faster. And I really stopped and thought about that because when you put a time limit on, so here, let, let me give you a perfect example. So let's say, let's say my goal next year is to double my income. And so my goal is by December 31st of 2024 is to double my income. Mm -hmm. But in April, an opportunity comes my way that I'm not I'm not prepared for, or I I'm I'm not aware of. I'm, my, in other words, my signals are not connecting with it. But this opportunity affords me the opportunity or the, the the ability to radically increase my income, and I missed it. And I could have increased my income or doubled my income by September instead of December. Right. The thing is, is when you're in aligned energies, universal messages and opportunity are flowing your way all the time. We have to be open to receive. And the only way you do that is in the presence of awareness, to be aware to the messages that are coming to you. Because oftentimes what will happen is those opportunities will take you in a different direction, but to get 
to the same result. So we think we have to go A, B, C, D, mm-hmm. and it may be A, D, C, B, mm-hmm. because we're linear thinkers and the universe is not. It's, not. it's potential is infinite. So we have to get out of this linear thinking. So P plus T times A times A plus F plus T. Okay, but hold up. I'm sorry. I got a little confused because it sounded like time, you didn't want to put time on there because it limited there, but you included time in there. Okay, so if I didn't explain that properly, let me do so. Give it its time, Mm. right? So if, if I put six months to achieve a goal, but it's seven months, great. If it's two months, great. It doesn't have to be at that six month period of time. Got it. So it's being open to the time frame in which that can happen. Right. Yeah. Okay. Trust in the universe. It's going to bring it to you when you're ready. Right. Yeah. I think that there's so much in there that, um, you know, having, I think we have a lot of passionate people. It's so easy to look like the 20 year olds and be like, yeah, you're passionate. Um, but then, you know, the, T is the talent. Okay. So the skill set aspect is where I kind of want to like dive in. Sure. Because I think that. So all right, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come. There's going to be a question in here, I promise. So I posted a reel uh, a couple months ago or something that you had commented on. And it was something along the lines of like uh, unpopular opinion. Most of the rich chiropractors you know didn't do it on just chiropractic or something like that. Mm hmm. And it was kind of this idea of just like waking people up of like, okay, my thought behind it is so hard because it's like, here, I'm going to take this really big thing and I'm just going to make a controversial seven second reel about it and then just let it implode and people get mad. Um, But I'm kind of here to start just, I think that like, I'm here to start disrupting this and bringing conversations with people like you that I'm like, hey, um, did you guys hear the whole multi- multi-million dollar businesses thing he just casually said like I think that chiropractors are almost getting more myopic in this sense of like I have or like my generation was like I just have to do this only through chiropractic and they look at these big chiropractors that they're like wow that life is beautiful that's so great he seems like he's got all this freedom And I'm like, shit, you're not even getting your license. Like you dropped that identity. I don't know. I think in my mind, I would just have to hold on to my identity that like I'm a chiropractor first. So therefore I always have to have my practicing license. So like, did you have to get over that step first of like, okay, yeah, I learned how to become a chiropractor and that's wonderful. And I love this. And now I'm going to keep learning how to make money in other businesses. Or did you come into chiropractic with that? No, not at all. In fact, it's just the opposite. And I'm grateful for that because I tell this story. I told it at the summit last uh, last week because I do the afternoon is all on finances. It's on prosperity mindset and financial strategies that the wealthy people know that, you know, the average working person will never know. And it's, you know, it's 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 not like anybody can't do it because I did it. Right. So um, I got my first bonus check. I think it was uh, at the end of my first year of practice. It was a, the largest check I've ever seen in my life at that point. And uh, I went to a financial advisor. I didn't know what I was doing. I said, hey, I got this money. I want to invest it. I knew I should invest it, right? So I invested it. And six months later, the entire, entire amount was gone. Now he got paid, right? He got paid. I lost it all. And I remember walking out of his office 
first I told him, you know, our working relationship is over, number one. And secondly, I said, this is my fault because I didn't take the responsibility to learn and understand about what I was investing in. And I put it in the hands of somebody else. And I realized no one's going to protect my money better than me. So I made a commitment myself at that point that I was going to start working on my financial intelligence. And so I started reading and going to courses and learning. And the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. It's fun. The biggest issue people have with money is a lack of understanding of terminology. And Wall Street and the banks do that intentionally to confuse you. So you have to remain dependent upon them. So once you learn the terminology and you learn the vehicles and you learn how to velocitize money, and again, anybody can do this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to reference the, your, your post and my response in the post, because someone had responded something to the effect, you can get really wealthy in chiropractic, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, and of course again, you can. Yeah, of course. And then, and then, and again, right? Define wealth. My definition of wealth may be different than yours. And the way I define wealth is being able to do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want, right? With no financial restrictions. To me, that's pure freedom and financial independence. So, so that's my definition. But my response was, most chiropractors will achieve wealth, not with the money they make, but the money they, they invest that they made as a chiropractor. Okay, because there's this triangle. So think at the top of the triangle is earn. So this is, you know, our income. So on, a, on the bottom left-hand corner is save. And then the bottom right-hand corner is invest. How do you velocitize that? Well, what you do is the more you make, if you're diligent and disciplined enough, you proportion a good amount into savings so you can then invest in assets. Assets, not equities, assets. More millionaires are made with real estate and as with business. So I said, okay, I started divesting in, in equities. We had a 401k and all that. I, I hated that stuff. So I started divesting and I started putting my money into buying businesses, starting businesses in real estate. And it works and it works really, really well. But it started because we were really disciplined when we first started uh, in practice. We, we took a very, very low base salary, salary and we figured out how to live on it with kids. And then we would take distribution payments and all that, almost all of it would go into our wealth account. We had an account specifically designed for wealth, wealth accumulation. And that money could only be spent on assets, appreciating assets or revenue generating assets. You can't buy a car from there. You know, I can't buy a second home from there. Well, isn't that an appreciating asset? Yeah, but it's also a cash sucker, right? Second homes, you know, lake houses, beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but they suck your ability to save more money to buy more assets. And my whole goal was to have assets. Mm -hmm. That's how I was able to retire at 50. So what kind of assets, if you weren't buying second homes, and I mean, obviously a car is not an asset, but yeah, what kind of assets were you investing in? Yeah, so our company, we we developed large projects of multifamily living um, okay. around the yep. state and outside of the state. So it's um, and uh, commercial property as well. But most of ours is in the uh, residential market. Yeah, yeah. I feel like two, th three years ago. Well, honestly, it was 
No. So I had someone on the podcast and she was talking about real estate syndicates. And I want to say this was like a year and a half ago. And she was talking about how basically prior to, um, so it was called the country club law or like that was the nickname of it. And it, they got rid of it sometime during Obama. I almost said Obama's reign, but like, anyway, whatever the thing we call it, the presidency. And my jaw almost hit the floor because the essence of the law was like, you can't publicly talk about how to get rich. Like that's kind of what it was. And then you go into the A of your equation. So then what does that do? It's it's called the country club because the only people you were only allowed to talk about it with your friends. You could only share financial investment and how to make your money work for you with your friends. This was old, this was a law up until Obama. Like even the babies listening now are like, oh, I was alive then. Like this isn't something that was abolished in the 50s. Like this was something that very recently you brought up. Like they want us to be confused with the terminology and this and that. And it's like, so once that kind of light bulb went off of like, this is not a myopic chiropractic thing. This is not. Most of like, if you have a parent in their 60s, they were trained to put all their money into 401k. And they were trained that that was what you do. And when you are 65, you will live the good life. And it's like, what? it's horseshit. It's horseshit. And I'm not doing that. Interesting in the book that I referenced from Sharon Lecter, he talks exactly about that. But interesting, this is in the 30s, and here we are nearly 100 years later, and we're in the same mindset. So here's the interesting thing, right? We're talking over 100 years, this has been taught and handed down from generation to generation taught in schools. Go to high school, get your diploma, go to college, get a degree, and go work for a big Fortune 500. Get your 401k, save for 40, 45 years, and then retire and then live off the money. Here's the reality. These are hard facts. The average 70-year-old has $170,000 in their qualified plan. $170,000. If you get 4% interest on that, you're going to outlive your money in about five years. Then what? Okay. One out of four people have zero money in their savings. This the, the the save and scrimp and then live off that nest egg for retirement doesn't work. It first of all, that money won't outpace inflation. So your your dollars are worth less. Secondly, just by the the uh, life expectancy, you're gonna run out of cash before you pass away. Not a good thing. And you can't count on social security. Okay, Jay. So what's the option? You don't retire with savings, you retire with income. What does that mean? Well, if I have businesses spewing off money, right? And rental properties spewing off money every single month. I always laugh, I say this. I know how much I'm going to make minimum when I get out of bed on January 1st of each year. In fact, I could sleep the entire year and never get out of bed. Because every month I know how how much money is coming in from these, you know, from these uh, assets. And so I don't have to worry about, no, do I have savings? Sure. But that's not what's fueling my retirement. So we got to shift how we're thinking. And so from, from an entrepreneur, from a chiropractor standpoint, you guys thinking out there, right? I'm in agreement. Forget the 401ks. You don't have control over it. 
right now, because we're in so much that there is talk from the Fed that they're going to, uh, the government's going to take control of the 401ks to help pay down the bet, the, the, de uh, the national shit. debt. Now, will that happen? I don't know. But there's I don't talk like of that it. it's even being talked about. <laughs> no, seriously, right? So again, right, increasing your financial IQ, listening to what's going on. What I'm suggesting that you do is if you think of that triangle, you should take, and people say, well, how much? Well, how quickly do you want to get financially ahead? But it's about 18 to 20% of gross income needs to go to savings, right? To be able to generate the kind of income yeah. to live a good life. So when you get in your, you know, so at 70, you're not the Walmart reader because you need a job just to buy groceries. And that's where we're going here. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this concept should be that hard for chiropractors. So like, there's, you know, chiropractors, we know, like we, you know, we talk, when we talk about health and like the matrix that, you know, being unplugged from the matrix when it comes to health. So we can easily see most chiropractors are like, you know, a little conspiracy theories enough when it comes to health and all the jabs and, you know, so like, and we can look and go like, oh yeah. They're, they're doing this, whatever, whatever reason you do. And you go like, yes. Yeah, so the same thing they're doing to keep us sick. They're also doing it to keep us broke. Absolutely. So like all that like coercion and like, no, they wouldn't do this. That chiropractors are like, yeah, yeah, no, they would. They would. And you're just being a, a little, little sheep and it's okay. I love you. You're a cute sheep, but you're a sheep. They're also doing that. You are also plugged in from they just want you broke they, they do broke. look at the student loans <laughs> oh my god i had a student loan expert on and she was talking about now what chiropractor like there is no pay it off so if somebody has two hundred thousand dollars in debt uh, for student loans it is this game where they're gonna pay like 200 and some thousand dollars $270,000 probably total by the time it gets forgiven and like the tax thing that they have to do at the end. But yet still the amount they technically owed the government is still 200 because they never even touched principal. It was all interest. And I'm just like, that's a weird fucking game. Like what? It is. Like, okay, so you're going to write off the debt that I didn't pay. Like, it's just this weird thing where it's like, this is messed up. And I think Kairos is like, you have the capability to wake up. But you have to be okay with going, yeah, I'm a chiropractor, but I also am going to start getting smart about my money. Yes. I mean, you work hard for it. Why wouldn't you? And why would you give it up to someone else? <laughs> and I can go on for this stuff for hours, but and the worst thing you do is put it in the bank, right? So here's the deal, right? So you're getting 5% now on a, on a savings rate. So you put it in a bank, 5%. Let's say you got $100,000 in the bank. The bank, because of fractional banking, can loan out 100% of that money. Your money's not in the bank. And the banks are only required to keep 2% on of, of cash that's on their books in the bank. There are over 170 banks in the United States that are considered unstable, that could fold. So what happens then? So the bank crashes, right? Yeah, well, I got FDIC. Yep, I'm well, insured. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you got 170, guess what? There's only I think 60 or 70 billion in the FDIC fund. That'll never cover it. That'll never cover it. And if you've got more than 250 thousand dollars, guess what? 
anything above that, that won't be covered. So then if you go and and you got 100,000 in the bank, they loan the 100% out. Wow, they give you 5%, amazing, but you get taxed on that, right? How would you like to become your own bank where you pay a fraction of the interest rate? You can loan yourself money and the money, the, the, so if I had 100,000 in the bank, I want to take 25,000 out to, I don't know, do whatever, mm -hmm. right? Pay high, uh, high interest credit uh, on a card or something like that. That amount doesn't go down and I'm still getting paid interest on the full amount of 100. And yet I'm paying a fraction of, of an interest rate back to pay back that 25%. And it's protected. It's uh, protected against um, creditors in debit and it's not reported to the government. Wouldn't you like to know yeah, what that is like and learn to know what that is? Like these are the things, you know, that, that um, I mean, I love teaching because people are like, that can't be true, Jay. Like that, that's some sort it of is. scam. It no, is. it's not. I, I promise you it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, we're just going to help a bunch of broke ass chiropractors. Stop being broke ass chiropractors. So you can be a rich ass chiropractor that still does chiropractic. You're probably still going to do it, but you do it with a lot less stress. You know, we talk about chiropractors being a fight or flight. Well, one of like, you know, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the baseline thing root of that triangle is having stability and being able to like pay, you know, your bills. And so we've got all these chiropractors that are in fight or flight because they're broke. And they're right. worried about like, they're like, yeah, I'm going to be my enlightened self and like be super healthy and the best chiropractor in a line. But yet they're trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And that person is never going, when you are worried paycheck to paycheck, basically, like you're going to be in fight or flight. You can't be the best doctor. You can't do that. So and guess what? When you're, problems. When, when, when you're in that fight or flight too, like you say, you can't be the best doctor, which means you're not creating exceptional experiences for your patient, which just perpetuates the same issue over and over and over, mm -hmm. right? You know, I just want to mention this real quick is, you know, because I mentioned one of the ways to self-fund your retirement is to own a business. So this concept I've been teaching to some of the docs that I work with is don't sell your practice. Sell a portion of it. Bring in a young doc, mentor, teach them, right? Sell them half of it. And, you know, over a five or a 10 year period of time and let that fund your retirement. Do you know, Lauren, I don't even know if you knew this statistic, but do you know what percent of practices actually sell in no. which, what it's going to blow you away. It's 17%, 83% just close their doors and walk away. Wow. Could you imagine that no. building up an asset, a revenue generating asset that you can leverage but because they don't prepare, they don't know how to transition, they don't take the time necessary, because really it's about a five-year plan to get your practice prepared. To, I mean, you could sell it tomorrow, but if you want to do it the right way, right, mm -hmm. and bring somebody in and train and have your buyer in-house, it's going to take some time to do that. There's some great strategies and uh, that, you know, that, that really can set you up in a nice place uh, when you're ready to transition out of practice. Oh man, we could talk. We could talk for a long time. Um, okay. So you have a lot of opportunities that people can work with you and sure. just absorb more information from you. So where can people get more of you, Jay? So the simplest um, would be, you know, a first check out the podcast, um, power, passion, prosperity, triple P life. You can find us on any of your favorite podcast apps. Um, you can reach out to me, Dr. J. So D R J A Y at, 
triplepeelife.com. I, I always respond to everyone's email. So if you have a question about anything I mentioned today, you have a question about what we do, or you can go to our, uh, our website, powerpassionprosperity.com, and you can learn about the services we have. Uh, if you're interested in learning how to up-level your money mindset, I have a three, th a free three-day challenge, the Money Mindset Challenge, to help you identify what your money story is. We all have a money story. And most of that, most people, the money story is of scarcity. And it's not their own fault. Because as you know, right, a child lives in theta up until the age of seven or nine. So from month three to month seven or nine, they've taken in all the conversations and the experiences around them from their parents and teachers and society about money. And most of it is from scarcity. Mm -hmm. So I help people identify what that what their money story is, and then give them tools to change it. Because I can help you with strategies or put you with people with high level strategies. If you don't change your money story, you're never going to create prosperity and abundance in your life. So that's got it right. Headspace first, tactic seconds, just like with the coaching. So at the website, they can learn more about the other products we have. And I also host a uh, money mindset mastermind for entrepreneurs where we meet every couple of weeks and we dive deep in this stuff tactical and mindset stuff. I love it. I love it. All right. We'll have some of those links uh, listed below for you. So awesome. all right, she slayers go check out more of Jay. I've been lucky to know Jay for multiple, multiple years now. It's fun. I don't always know my guests when they come on, you know, cause it's like, okay. So it's good to know like, all right, this one's going to be good. So I appreciate your time so much, Jay. Thank you. I appreciate you. And for, for your listeners, I'm I blew Lauren off. I completely forgot her initial <laughs> time. So I, once again, thank you for being flexible in your My schedule. My life is flexible. I just worked out before and like I was going to work out after that. I just worked out before. Like, it's fine. I've got freedom. Awesome. I don't even know awesome. what I do with my life. Right. Hey, I'm really proud of this stuff you're doing and the lives that you're changing. And uh, so just keep rocking it. And, and uh, I hope our paths cross again here soon. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. All right. She Slayers. Until next week. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. Don't wait.